So, my head canon about Forte. Oh boy. Uh, which ties back into uh, our, a lot of our season two threads. Um, in the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> oh, Boise, Idaho. <laughs> Eric disappears. Nobody finds. They just leave the mask. Um, and then when we see Forte back in, in his human form, he wears a lot of makeup. He is a maestro. He's a master, you know, composer. And he has no desire to return to human life. I think this is where this is the actual sequel to the Phantom of the Opera. I think I think Forte is the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm the direct-to-VHS sequel to Layla. And this week, we surprise our monster boyfriends with a holiday celebration in Beauty and the Beast and Enchanted Christmas. Before we make our hench fives pace for us while we think, remember you can help us on Mortified, the legitimacy quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, are following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you also. Uh, this is the last episode of Mortified for the year. We're going to take our uh, Christmas break and um, we'll be back with season three in January. Um, but we're going to round it out with a short Christmas episode and a ranking of all the episodes um our top, our top episodes of the year. Um, but first, we're going to talk about this great uh, direct-to-VHS sequel to Beauty and the Beast. Layla, what was your first exposure to Beauty and the Beast and Enchanted Christmas? My mom bought it for me on VHS when it came out. Nice. So, yeah, this has been in my life for, for a hot one. Um, how did you miss this? I just... The VHSs that ended up in my parents' house were very different. See, I got the Tim... There's Tim Curry VHSs in everyone's house when they were grew up in the 90s to early 2000s. Uh, you got the Beauty and the Beast and Enchanted Christmas. I got the one, the Christmas story, where uh, Tim Curry plays um, Nero. Uh, you could listen to that. We talk about that on Bible Boys, but there is a Christian, uh, like it's, it's called the Easter Storytellers, I believe, and... Uh, Tim Curry plays Nero. He puts his whole pussy into it. He does a great job um, be, being the guy who burns down Rome. Um, but yeah, uh, very different households, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we we often talk about women with perfect careers on this podcast, um, like Vanessa Ann Hudgens, our princess switch. Uh, I think Tim Curry also could go on there because, as you said, he puts his whole pussy into literally everything he's ever done. Yes, and we salute him for that, and he did not disappoint today. Um, yeah, I mean, like, as far as Beauty and the Beast goes, like, I don't have, like, that much fondness for it, although it was the first musical I ever was in. Um, I was, like, a little towns boy. I was probably in the seventh grade when, when I did it uh, at our local community theater. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, it's, it's a fine musical. I, I don't think it's, you know, like, in my top five, um, but it's fine. Uh, this, as far as direct to, you know, you know, Disney Renaissance sequel movies, I feel like this might be one of the better ones. 
you are fully correct as somebody who has seen most of them. Yes, this is this is probably one of the fucking better ones. Um, as a former not like other girls girl, um, this was one of my favorite uh, Disney movies growing up. It was like this, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and The Lion King, which I feel like that trio explains a lot about me, um, generally speaking. So yeah, uh, I used to really love Beauty and the Beast. Um, when I found out, my my God, my parents got me like. Because I read voraciously as, as, like, a small child. I read everything and everything. Like, they couldn't buy me books fast enough. And I just remember they got me, like, like actual, like, Hans Christian Andersen and Greek fairy tales. And I the two that stick out to me are Beauty and the Beast. Because when I read it, I was like, what the fuck is this? This is not what Uncle Disney gave me. And also the, uh, the one about King Midas always freaked me out. So it was like, uh, you know. That's when I realized that, like, oh, fairy tales are fucked up, actually, and I like the Disney ones better because they sing. <laughs> Excellent point. I do wish more Greek stories had had musical numbers in the middle of them. Um, I feel like I should do the summary. Go for it. So, all right. Beauty and the Beast takes place, I kind of assume, over a year. Um, and at one point, it's like, y- you have to assume that Belle is, is kept prisoner in the Beast's castle over the holidays that this is when this takes place um over over that christmas season christmas eve christmas day etc um and so like (laughs) we're in a weird time where like bell and the beast are like not friends with each other necessarily but they're also like not enemies kind of it's weird um but like at one point you know we we learned that firstly beast was actually turned into a beast and all the people on his castle were turned into furniture uh on christmas uh day which is fucked up firstly um and bell is like doesn't know this um but like she's like ah it's so dreary in this castle let's have a christmas party which is like okay sure fine bell um maybe one of your 100 million uh furniture friends could have warned you about maybe how this is not a, an especially good time but uh they don't and bell goes on a bunch of adventures to try to uh basically make christmas happen at, at beast castle however tim curry uh playing the evil organ maestro forte uh wants to sabotage all of bell's plans because of reasons we'll get into it um <laughs> But, like, yeah, he, he's just basically an evil CGI organ, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, drama that, that ensues, and in the end, you know, of course, there's a happy ending, and, you know, Forte is defeated, but it's the stuff in between. They cram a lot of interesting choices in between the beginning and the end of this story, and that's what makes it absolutely worth talking about, um, and I, I think we'll have a good time discussing it. Uh is that is that about right? Did did we miss anything important? No, I think we're gonna get into the the creme de la creme performances <laughs> mm-hmm. in just a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, firstly, I was reading through your notes, and our 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 leading lady Belle, you noted, um, has the same affect <laughs> as uh, another a Bella uh, from Twilight, specifically in Kristen Stewart's performance. Yeah. Yeah, I stand by that. She does a lot of like the tucking, the tucking of the hair behind the ears. That's like her big acting beat in the whole movie. Because these, um, 
There was also a lot in my notes about just the quality of the animation that I kept noticing, and I just can't help but not pick at it because even as a child, I noticed something was really off about these movies. And like now as an adult who went to animation school, I can like verbalize what's so wrong. And it's, <laughs> the acting beats are so funny. It's some of them look like they were directly taken from the original Beauty and the Beast movie. Like they timed the shots exactly, which is, that's not the first time they've done that as a money saving measure, measure no hate. But you know, it's just Belle's performance is either swing arm really wide or tuck hair behind ear. You get nothing else. Yeah, uh, she, she definitely is a lot more stilted and I don't think they got the same voice actor uh, for Belle. She oh, there's sounds, no way. Yeah, noticeably different. But um, but otherwise, you know, she she she's fine. You know, she's Belle. Um, she, she loves to read and she tries to make people happy and, um, it doesn't do her any good, unfortunately, but <laughs> apparently uh, has a hard on for Christmas, which is just a wild character choice. Yeah. Belle does sing some songs about Christmas that make it seem like it's the biggest thing in the world. Um, but sure, whatever. What do you feel about how, uh, our Prince the Beast is portrayed in this movie? If I were to rank... Beauty and the Beast and Enchanted Christmas Beast, Beauty and the Beast Beast, and Kingdom Hearts Beast. It would go Kingdom Hearts Beast, Beauty and the Beast Beast, Beauty and the Beast and Enchanted Christmas Beast. Beast in this one sucks shit. <laughs> yeah, he is a temperamental asshole who throws furniture and his girlfriend in Christmas jail. He puts her in jail after she nearly drowns under a frozen lake. Yeah. He gives her, like, a sad little blanket about it. Check her for hypothermia, you asshole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I watched this with, with Sierra, so, uh, you know, she was definitely making this watch more enjoyable. But she does point out, one, when Beast throws a, any piece of furniture in this movie, he is murdering someone. <laughs> <laughs> or do you think maybe they mark the non-sentient furniture? That's, they probably have a, like, okay to throw <laughs> on their backs. Like, Beast has to check real quick, like, you got eyes? Good. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the other chair next to it is like Jim. Yeah, <laughs> Jim's just like, tape. oh my god. <laughs> um, and the second is just like Beast is the worst. <laughs> yeah, there is like nothing likable about him. This is the most, you know, a lot of people shit on Beauty and the Beast for being like, it's Stockholm you know, Syndrome. Haha, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, this is the Stockholmiest version of this story. Yeah, um, it's. <laughs> There's no way to put it. He basically has no redeeming qualities except for at the very end where he lets her out of jail, I guess. Um, yeah, to go dance with him. What a reward. Yeah. You'd also note at the very, very end where it goes flashbacks, flashes back to the future, he gives her a Christmas present, which is a single rose. And it's like, sir, you are a prince. You need to try harder. Fellas. Fellas. I'm like not... I'm not, like, a diamonds girl. I'm not, you know. I don't do, like, ex expensive gifts make me feel really weird, honestly. Like, if you spend too much money on me and we haven't talked about it previously, like, it's not okay. Like, it makes me feel awkward. If you're a fucking French millionaire and you get me a rose and not, like, I don't know, tickets to the front row of a show or at least... We're having a conversation and I'm spitting in your tea for a week. Deserve How dare you so. inherit wealth and not waste it on me? <laughs> Listen, all of the fucking um, people who inherited money, what do you call those? Heirs? 
I guess. Yeah, all the heirs that listen to our audience, uh, we and Layla were just having a conversation about how Layla would be a great stepmother. Um, so please, <laughs> uh, at, at pod at gmail.com. Um, but uh, <laughs> send your proposals to- My mom would be to. very happy. <laughs> uh, speaking of marriage- <laughs> Well, if I could have what Cogsworth and Lumiere have, I would die happy. Couples goals for sure. Like, uh, these people, (laughs) like, they they try to play it off like, you know, they're like rivals that are like, you know, ultimately deep down friends. They're just a married couple is the thing. (laughs) Layla's spitting out her teeth. They're so married. Fucking Lumiere knows what Cogsworth likes in his pudding. Who does that? Yeah, like, he, they have a level of friendship where it's just like, oh, oh, you know exactly how, how to get him to do what you want, which is to put dates and, you know, vanilla and, and sugar plums in, in his pudding, and that's how he'll, you know, do all this Christmas bullshit. It's just like, all right, all right. Like, they try to, like, you know, they bring Babette in, they bring in this new uh, angel ornament in, and they're like, and, and Lumiere is definitely, like, making out with her, so, like... You know, he's got some side pieces, but Lumiere is a bisexual king, first and foremost. Lumiere is a poly bisexual king. <laughs> but we all know who is who is fuck who he goes home to at night, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um and here's how I can prove that they're married. Um, so I've hit rock bottom over here, and uh I have spent most of yesterday reading a 34 chapter slow burn long thick about uh, the ace attorney lawyers, uh, who are Aaron, just mouth what the fuck? Yeah, um, this watching Lumiere and Cogsworth felt exactly like reading something that was intended to be romantic. Yeah, like all of the narrative beats are just like, oh, they're having a fake argument, but oh, they're actually thinking about each other, and it's just like, oh, oh I can't believe this guy said that thing. I was, of course, the leader. Um, you know, all he did was all this stuff that was like, admittedly a little bit sexy, but I can't even think about that right now. I'm so mad. And by mad, I mean horny. (laughs) Lumiere literally, uh, surfs on Cogsworth, um, which according, uh, to my queen and prophet Beyonce, he was, you know, grinding on that wood. All right. I think it's a metaphor. We're done. We're done here. Next character. (laughs) Mrs. Potts. The teeth in her. So again, Sierra made a, the great point that they're whenever they get served tea in this <laughs> franchise, the tea is very much in Mrs. Potts, which is like, I mean, I guess the least fucked up is like it's coming out her nose. I guess. I guess. <laughs> Um, they did get Angela Lansbury for this one, which I found very impressive. So good for you, Miss Lansbury, for holding that tea and not being weird about it. Miss Lansbury, do you like Christmas this much? Apparently. <laughs> to participate in this? Oh, my God. Um, Chip was very cute. Um, he's always very cute. Do you know who plays Chip in, in uh, this? Haley Joel Osment. Sora, it's back. We all we made it. We made it, folks. It's Kingdom Hearts again. <laughs> Which, you know what? Um, Kingdom Hearts Christmas special win. No uh, more. Yeah, hey, Tetsuya, fucking get on it. Um, <laughs> <sighs> Sierra also pointed out that, like, there's a point where Chip gets dropped under the ice uh, because of uh, plot reasons. And I was like, oh, no, Chip's going to drown. And then Sierra's like, does he have lungs? He is a cop. And I was like, 
That's a good point because like he does have a mouth, but I, does he have to breathe? I don't know. Did, did you ever watch the live action adaptation? Of, yeah, yeah. Did they have faces in that one? I remember so little about that. Yeah, a terribly forgettable film. I, um, I I think they do, but I think they're like a little bit grotesque, so they don't linger. I don't remember. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Chip didn't drown, and that's 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 the real Christmas miracle. Yes, uh, and we're grateful. Uh, Haley, you did a great job. I'm proud of you, boy. Um, <clears throat> Forte, who is the henchman Fife? Maestro Forte, baby. Oh, shit, no, no, sorry, sorry. Maestro Forte, Tim Curry. Best character in this, obviously. <laughs> Listen, yeah. He gave us everything while chained to a wall. Yeah, no, he has some incredible, incredible line delivery and dialogue. Like, there's a point where he's like, uh, Fife, can you go check and see if there's a merriment outside my window? That's that's not to happen here. <laughs> that's what I sound like every Christmas. Um, my favorite was, uh, they can't fall in love if they're both dead. <laughs> Extremely good. Um, so... My head cannon about Forte. Oh boy. Uh, which ties back into uh, our, a lot of our season two threads. Um, in the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> oh, Boise, Idaho. <laughs> Eric disappears. Nobody finds, they just leave the mask. Um, and then when we see Forte back in, in his human form, he wears a lot of makeup. He is a maestro, he's a master, you know, c- composer. And he has no desire to return to human life. I think this is where this is the actual sequel to the Phantom of the Opera. I think I think Forte is the Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera and Enchanted Christmas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of speaking of Christmas specials, hey Andrew, when? <laughs> hey Andy, I want to see that shit. That'd be awesome. I want this an Enchanted Christmas extended cinematic universe that spans from, like, Kingdom Hearts to uh, Phantom of the Opera. Every media property is legally required to have a Christmas episode. <laughs> Welcome to America. That specifically ties back to this movie. Yeah, exactly. This 1997 direct-to-VHS sequel. Not even sequel. <laughs> mid-quel to the Beauty and the Beast. It's, it's incredible. Um, yeah, no, Tim Curry does great um the organ is scary as shit because it's like the only cgi bit in the whole film and it looks grotesque he looks like one of those drama masks but like horrifying yeah but he could talk again the mask symbolism that's where my head candid comes in um mm. yeah wild wild um now we get to five who is the henchman little pipe guy i like him yeah he's cute um he does he does his job there's a very funny line he does when, like, he was, um, when, um, Forte's like, oh, he's talking to the beast, and he's like, oh, a, a little birdie told me somebody's planning for Christmas, and Fife comes out and goes, tweet, 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 <laughs> it's like, alright, good henchman, excellent. Yeah, I still can't get over the, um, he, like, wants to listen to Forte, because Forte promised him a solo, um, and then, well, you know, I get it. I respect it. He, sure, you know, he's an up and coming, uh, music king. Uh, and, uh, so he like wants to go and like do shit to fuck up Belle's life, but then he really likes Belle cause she was really nice to him. Um, and I love to see that kind of complex, uh, character work here in Beauty and the Beast and Enchanted Christmas. Yes, it's perfect. Um, but 
the secret stealth star um, of this movie is the axe that Bell uses to chop down the tree. <laughs> is he's Jewish? He's like that That's was a Jewish axe. My read, yeah. I don't know why the axe was Jewish, but he was extremely funny, and I loved him. The, the axe said "Happy Hanukkah" and then "Oi." <laughs> That's a yeah. Jewish axe. What yeah. is that character choice? Um, he like runs the boiler room and like when all there's like people are like moving around all these logs, he's just like, what kind of logs do you want? <laughs> and then like he yells at all the other people. He's like, what am I paying you for? Being boring? Do that on your own time. And I was just like, what is this? <laughs> His best line was absolutely the one Bell like swings him at a train. He's like, ah, what do you not get headaches? <laughs> yeah. He, and Bell's like, I can get some. D- d- do you want to, I can get a saw. And he's like, no, no, please. We're already out here. I don't want to inconvenience you. <laughs> he's so funny. I love the axe. He's, he's got such uncle energy. I love it so much. Um, he is stealth. Absolutely the best character in this entire, which I'm surprised they introduced this many new characters in the first place. Yeah, I know. There's like four or five new people who are like pretty memorable. Like the axe, Angelique, five forte. Uh, I think that's, so four, I don't remember anybody else who was super memorable, but they do great jobs. They do, which we're, you know, Angelique's the last one on our list. She's a tree topper. She's the, the castle decorator. I love her. I think she's fun. Yeah, no, she's great. You know, she doesn't really do any much, much in the narrative except for Phil for time. But like, basically she's like, uh, you know, makes out with, with Lumiere um, and then is like very like French and bitchy. And she's like, oh, you could not pull off Christmas uh, ever because I am I am lay genius or whatever and then at the very end when they do pull off uh, a Christmas um, and they're like you said we couldn't do it and she's like no I said you could not do it without me uh, and I was like hell yeah Angelique know your worth I love you girl get it <laughs> one more point about Angelique that uh, Sierra brought up was that out of everybody in this castle who got enchanted by the witch's spell I think Angelique made out like pretty good uh, considering that she basically is still humanoid, she got a lot smaller, but like she still has like fingers and shit. Like Angelique did okay, and she's got a permanent beat face of makeup. Yeah, I think she's yeah. doing great. Incredible. Um, that does lead me to the uh, one question though, which is, what is your furniture sona, Layla? Oh, great! I was gonna ask you this, and I'm so glad you brought it up. Um, I think, I think I'd be like a French press. That's a good one. Yeah. I think I'd be pretty reliable. You would have to drink the coffee that comes out of me. <laughs> it would so be it is, <laughs> it is a Mrs. Potts situation. But I just feel like, you know, it's it's uh, a nice thing to have around the house. Multi-purpose. You could, like, use my pitcher separately if you need to. Um, but I think my face would be, like, on the lid with the press itself. You know, mm-hmm. so that I could, like, hop if I wanted to yeah, around definitely. the castle. Um. Unfortunately for me, uh, I would be um, one of the brushes that does the dishes. Um, I'd be one of the people that has to scrub Mrs. Potts' ass. Uh, <laughs> just because I, I, I do a lot of dishes by hand, and that's my thing. And I think that's that's the job I would have had in Beast Castle. And then, and then I would end up being, unfortunately, very familiar with Mrs. Potts. So. <laughs> you could have worse fates, I guess. You could be the chair beast didn't mean to throw. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you might have to cut this part out. But um, I was just thinking about an image I saw on Twitter of Mrs. Potts, but like 
very drawn in a very fetishistic style with a huge ass and i don't know in what context i saw it and i just like my mind went blank for a while and i was like hmm. <laughs> the internet probably shouldn't exist <laughs> just thought i should share that with you <laughs> merry christmas thanks for me choosing to edit this episode so you have to make the choice of whether or not to keep this in <laughs> Dare you? <laughs> anyway, shall I go on to our talking points? <laughs> yeah, that's all staying in. Oh, good. <laughs> Thanks, Great. audience. So, what? Uh, you you brought up the other Disney sequels, and you said that you've watched a lot of them, potentially all of them. Um, and I I, I haven't watched nearly as many. I, I watched the two Aladdin sequels, Hunchback Two, a couple of the Lion King stuff, but that's it. Um, but yeah, you know. What as far as Disney sequels go, how do you feel about you know this in, in its in the place of, of all of them? This ranks pretty high. Um, I think that the Disney sequels have a lot of problems, just in the sense that some of them just like fuck up canon for no reason. Some of them are just boring. Some of them are just really really bad. Um. So, like, I would say the worst ones I've watched are probably Pocahontas 2, which was a colonialist... I mean, like, listen, the first movie is a colonialist nightmare. The second movie is a colonialist, like, lucid dream that will not let you go. Yeah, I learned about the Pocahontas sequel while I was Googling Disney sequels earlier today, and, um, pretty fucked up, huh? Um, Hunchback 2 is atrocious, Mulan 2 is atrocious... Um, so those are kind of the worst ones, and the best ones probably are the Lion King sequels. Um, I hear really good things about the Cinderella's. And then I think somewhere in, like, the top middle, the, like, 20th percentile, is Beauty and the Beast and Enchanted Christmas. It's cheaply made, but it's inoffensive. Yeah, Dare no. I say, fun. Yeah, I think they make some important and good swings with their with their characters, and they're, they're impactful and, and entertaining. Um, I will add that... Um, Aladdin 2 and 3. Aladdin 2 is just the, you know, they just took that sequel and they put it into Kingdom Hearts 2, which is very stupid. Um, but Aladdin 3 is is notorious for having um, Aladdin's dad in it uh, and everybody being extremely horny for Aladdin's dad. Uh, and I'd be remiss not to bring that up. I do remember seeing the previews for that on another direct VHS sequel that I was watching and I was like, hmm, I don't like this movie, but that's a hot dad. There we go. Um, and while, while, um, you know, Enchanted Christmas is definitely in the 20th, uh, top 20th percentile of these sequels, you know, I think it does say something about the quality of them that, like, the songs were just nothing, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I can't remember a single one of them. The only thing I can remember is one of the Christmas songs. My brain wants to, like, hum it and follow the melody, but it actually ends up like starting the first couple of notes of it and then it finishes with um the bridge from when will my life begin from tangled like it picks up in a way that finishes with the um the lanterns that uh shine on my birthday each year or something like my brain can't even comprehend these songs as their own thing it's just like oh these first two notes lead to this other song from 20 years later yeah, it's weird. I think that, like, one of the Christmas songs, um, like, the one that, that, that starts, like, in the middle and the one that Angelique finishes, like, at the end, like, has potential, but, like, because they add all the other 
people singing into it, it, it doesn't quite quite land. Um, which is which is unfortunate. But you know, I don't think they had fucking Alan Menken on this one. Justice for the Cogsworth and Lumiere buddy cop song. It got cut short. Ah, uh, damn. I wanted the rest of it. Uh, well, well, Disney. Like it takes two number or something. I don't know, but it was fun. It was a fun break from Belle being in jail. Yeah, we love we love when Belle is not in jail and when Cogsworth and Lumiere get to talk about their great marriage. I do want to really quickly address. We hinted at it, um, but Sierra kept bringing this up. Forte's motivations don't make sense, uh, right? He like there's no real reason why he would want to you know stop. Bell from breaking the enchantment and everybody turning back into a human except for my theory was that you know he's the phantom of the opera so he's very sad about christine daae um you know he doesn't care about being a human anymore um the other read which i think is hard to deny is that he is in love with the beast yeah it's a real manipulate mansplain organ boss <laughs> <laughs> situation where he does want to isolate beast from all his other friends and they want to stay organ and beast forever those are some red flags yeah i think there's a part where he's in, in his song he says um you know would i lie to you uh and he's like i wouldn't lie to you and it's like sir you can't just say that it, you're gonna draw attention to the fact that you're you're up to some shit um I just, you know, it's it's a very weird thing to be like, oh, we have to make this 90-minute thing. I don't know how to, you know, make this plot interesting at all. I guess we'll just make the the organ randomly evil. And, like, that's a very kids' movie thing to do. But, like, the the way in which they did it made it extremely queer-coded, which um, is, is very funny. Um, so, if the organ is Eric... Okay, oh, boy. And... Do, do we think that maybe then, because he didn't get to be turned back into a human when everyone else did, mm-hmm. so I assume they took him out of the castle before everyone else turned human, and what if and he's not dead, and he got shipped to Coney Island, mm. and the Eric that we see in Love Never Dies is an imposter doing the bidding uh, of the enchanted organ of forte yeah no because he is extremely magical he is the most magical person in the beauty and the beast franchise which is fucked up um other he, than the witch that turns adam into a beast i don't know forte to- tears the castle in half you don't think the witch could do that i mean i guess she could she probably could have i mean we have to assume she's the most powerful sorceress in the land um but she does, for some reason, make the organ, like, extremely, extremely strong, which is a weird, weird choice. But, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think that, yeah, maybe maybe some guy just stumbles uh, upon this enchanted organ with a fucked up face and no fingernails. Uh, and he's like, I'm gonna make you my, my new angel of music. Wear this mask really quick. Um and I'm gonna go go look up this this French guy's uh you know debts and we'll we'll do a weird a weird child heist on him and it'll be hysterical. It would explain the weird show tunes. Yeah, yeah. If if it wasn't uh, Forte writing the 
the the tunes, you know, if it was just some guy in the phantom <laughs> mask. Yeah, he's like, I, I've seen musicals. I, I can do this. This is easy. And Forte's like, I don't have hands. So I guess, you know, just do your best. So uh, I don't know who owns the rights to any of this anymore. Disney, Marvel, Andrew, Universal. I don't know. Call us. Yeah, exactly. We have a Christmas well, special ready for you. An Avengers style. <laughs> we have a Christmas universe waiting for you. Just hit us up. <laughs> uh, starring Vanessa Ann Hudgens. It'll all work out. It'll be oh incredible. Oh my god. I would... That's a good idea, actually. I would love just a, a spectator of Vanessa Ann Hudgens being her own British triplets <laughs> throughout this for no reason. <sighs> oh, man. Fantastic. Hey, would you forgive your wife for throwing you in Christmas jail? I mean, I love my wife very much, so, like, maybe we would probably have to go to counseling uh, if the thing that happens to Belle uh, happened to me. Uh, I would probably be very upset with my my partner if that was the case. Uh, Would you... Would you forgive your husband uh, if he threw you in Christmas jail? No. (laughs) No. I was telling my friend yesterday that I'm like um, I'm like one of those rescue dogs you see on like sad Facebook videos, you know, when they're like, we found this mutt and now she's got a happy home. I require trust, patience and treats. You would undo all of that hard work by throwing me in Christmas jail. I mean, it is kind of a thing. You can't you can't you can't throw someone in jail on Christmas. That's why Can I, cr- I be honest? You'd also you'd also undo all your hard work by surprising me with Christmas after my talking clock told you it was a bad idea. Yeah, that's the thing. Y'all, there's some communication issues with Belle and the Beast that really need to get worked out before they tie the knot. Yeah, this is, like we said, the Stockholmiest <laughs> version of this relationship. All right. Uh, well then, Layla, uh, we will close the book um, on enchanted christmas and move into our annual mortified bracket wherein we will do a quick uh, roundup of what i and layla think are the best episodes of this year uh we'll talk about them briefly and we'll try to decide which one is the best um so let's start from the top left this this year i did do seeds um and um, our first seed, I believe, is um, Scorpio Season Org 13 Finsta Drama Account uh, about Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, and that's up against Crooked Kingdom by, by Lee Bardugo, um, which, which I did seed at 16. Um, but I was looking back through our notes, and like we had a pretty good conversation about, about Crooked Kingdom. Oh, I'm sure we did. Uh, I, I'm surprised we never got to... Um... The Shadow and Bone, the show, as part of our program, which was really good. But Crooked Kingdom is, despite its flaws, one of my favorite books just through the charm of the cast. Yeah, definitely. Like, we we talked a lot about, you know, um, you know the, the relationships, not only just between Kaz and Inej, you know, our mall goth and our, you know, cool assassin girl, but also, like, Jesper and Wyland being, like, you know, having this, this cute queer romance. Um, and, like, fucking uh, Jesper's dad showing up and being, like hey you all are children what's what um but like yeah i I don't think that crooked kingdom beats out uh kingdom hearts but i I do i just our our 
our outline for Crooked Kingdom is like three pages long, which is very impressive. And, you know, I really, really enjoyed our conversation about it. Yeah. Do we want to just go down both sides first and, and talk about all the the uh, episodes we have on this list before we dive into actually going head to head? Okay. Yeah, definitely. So the next one on the left side is uh, <laughs> a PhD in monster fucking, which is our Twilight episode versus uh, the Star Wars original trilogy episode. Uh, Willy's Wonderland versus Sonic the Hedgehog, which I think is a fantastic pairing. And Sonic the Hedgehog 2 trailer just dropped. Mm-hmm, so Idris. Oh, God. What? <laughs> That's what. Now everyone's going to be thirsting about that echidna more than, than they already have been for the last however long. Um, the diametric opposite of Yuri on Ice, which is our, uh, Fast and Furious uh, episode. Fergie's Big Extinction, oh snap, our Death Stranding episode. Carrie Fisher's Oscar-winning Death Note, <laughs> just the live-action Death Note musical versus the Haikyuu stage play. Um, Raw the Soy Boy, which is our Phantom of the Opera <laughs> episode, versus James Cameron's Avatar. Uh, Seduction via Pork Cutlet, which is our actual Yuri on Ice episode, versus our Undertale episode, Oops, I Critted My Mom, um, and then High School Musical versus The Greatest Showman. I like this spread because you could tell when we started giving the episodes fun <laughs> names. <laughs> I like our fun names. I think we're getting very good at them. Yeah, no, they're, they're extremely good. Um, but yes, so I, I, you know, I think I'm going to put Scorpio Season uh, it Beats Crooked Kingdom. Sure, yes. Okay. I agree. Shall we, oh, shall we move on to PhD in monster fucking versus Star Wars OT? Honestly, I feel like Star Wars OT wins. Um, really? For me. Yes. Just because there was more to chew on in in regards to, you know, talking about our boy, uh, I was about to call him Hans Christian Anderson. <laughs> Hans Christian Anderson, noted rebel general and scumbag. <laughs> 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 spreading spice and holiday (laughs) stories all across the galaxy far far away (laughs) i don't know my brain is gone um yes there's more to chew on um more to talk about and you know we love a a leia organa fan account though twilight was a delight um and i do plan on eventually convincing you to finish the the other three uh well we'll see um I'll, yeah no i think you're right i think star wars moves on um well well you know i i had a great time talking about all the sparkly vampires um you know all-time super massive black hole um baseball scene uh we we will i i don't want to make any promises <laughs> but maybe maybe we'll talk about new moon someday um, Your wife has tasked me with this, so yeah, I know. I, I plan on. <laughs> you I plan you on both are conspiring against me. Um, I will. I do want to say I listened to about half of these episodes back over again. Um, so I might. I I I do have some some insight knowledge. Um, and like the next pairing, I think is is really tough because I listened to both of these today: Willy's Wonderland and Sonic the Hedgehog, and those were both extremely fun. Yeah. How did you, I mean, like, how do you feel? Because my memory is whiffily on the episodes themselves. Um, I think Willy's Wonderland takes it just because we, we were, we, we came in expecting a bad movie and we're like, actually this movie fucks. Um, and like, you know, 
we'll, we'll talk more about it, but like just the way in which Nick Cage has like a super fun time. Um, whereas like the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, I think we, we still had a great time and we, we loved talking about, you know, Ben Schwartz and, uh, James Marsden and going through James Marsden's IMDb with his weird animal, uh, stuff. But I do think that Willy's Wonderland just, you know, from sheer fun value, uh, was a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. And especially like having recently rewatched Willy's Wonderland, <laughs> that shit holds up. It's a yeah. good movie. Yeah, it is incredible. Um... And then we have F, F <laughs> Fast and Furious 1, Fast and Furious 7 versus Death Stranding. What a matchup. Hey, what, what was your thinking in this matchup? Um, I, I literally just like ranked, I ranked um, F7 and F1 um, 7th and Death Stranding at 10. So like this is just both, you know, I really, really enjoyed talking about Death Stranding with you. I thought that was like one of our one of my favorite video game conversations. We we have like really good talks about video games. I feel, um, and, and I just really loved picking apart, um, you know, all the weird shit in Death Stranding. Uh, it, it was it was a fun conversation. And audience, if you want to start throwing money at us so we actually have time to play more video games and talk about them, we'd appreciate that because that's why we talk about video games not as much. We just time time constraints it takes so long to do um but i was also like the last episode i was listening to was this fast and the furious one um and we just talk about how much we love letty ortiz uh, as michelle rodriguez and like it's it is hard to put norman read us up against michelle rodriguez because i don't know who's gonna win that fight but I, it's not looking good for norman all i can think now is norman read us in the funky fetus <laughs> That's just a phrase that's on repeat in my head. Uh, I think, ooh, this is, you're right, this is a tight one. Um, I think... Who is the alpha, do you think? Who is the alpha? So do we want to merit it to the substantive discussion or to the fun discussion? Because I can tell you which one was more fun and which one was more substantive. Yeah, I, I think it's got to be fun. I think so that's what's... fast. Yeah, I think it is, like... Death Stranding was great. I loved watching it with you, but I think the Fast franchise is more fun overall. Though I will say, um, I, this wasn't on the actual podcast, but if you go through our Twitter, you can find the screenshot of the moment that Death Stranding murdered both of us physically. Yeah. And we are both just horizontal on our fucking desks. Yeah, when we both fall apart because of uh, the great writing that Hideo Kojima does. <laughs> All right, let's move over to the other side. Uh <laughs> Carrie Fisher's Oscar-winning Death Note versus the Haikyuu stage play. Do you, Layla, what do you remember about the Haikyuu stage play? I remember that it fucked. Do you remember that it was neither in English nor <laughs> Japanese, but it was, was actually, it, it was Japanese and Italian. It was in, we watched an Italian subtitled Japanese play and then talked about it for half an hour. <laughs> That's what makes us professionals. Um... That being said, I do think it is Carrie Fisher's Oscar-winning death, though. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I love talking about the high cue stage play, but unfortunately, we we didn't understand enough of what was going on. <laughs> um, although we did vow to put on a, a mortified stage play in the same projected style. Yes, um, I so. want to hold myself. Maybe that's what the Enchanted Christmas Universe will be. Mm-hmm, It'll mm-hmm. be our our stage play. Incredible. Yes. Um. So we will talk about Death Note at a later time. Ral the Soy Boy versus Avatar. Uh, I don't think this is a very good matchup. <laughs> I think there's a clear winner here. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's the one where we talked for like an hour and a half about mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I didn't get to listen to our Avatar one, but let me check our outline. Uh, the, the thing that I remember most about our Avatar conversation was like me just being like, I like basically everything in this this movie except for the story which is absolute horseshit um but like yeah oh we we did discover the themes and avatars wiki page which is hysterical <laughs> i can't we have i think we're getting we haven't checked on it yet but there is new news about avatar 2 yeah so. it's coming it's coming in 2022 we're we're probably gonna watch it maybe not for this maybe not for this because it might not be very good but like <sighs> Listen, there's a non-zero chance that I end up in Indiana watching it. So we'll see. We'll see. I would. I would happily watch Avatar two with you in in Indiana. Um, and I would. Oh God. And there's gonna be a video game too, which I think we are solely responsible for. Oh yeah, that's us. Sorry, we wish that onto the world. But yeah. you know what? Shout out to the devs making James Cameron money. Hopefully. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> Great. Um, suction via pork cutlet versus oops, I critted my mom. I remember having so much fun talking about Yuri on Ice. I think Yuri on Ice was much more fun. Um, we we talked so much about uh, the relationship between um, you know Yuri and Victor and like how cute it was and like how pleasantly surprised you were. There was like this isn't really a thing that you thought I would like and like you know I, it is a much more romance heavy thing that I am generally interested in. But like yeah, I do think this one moves ahead. Um, Undertale again, great conversation i like we talked for a long time about undertale and like i remember like posting on tumblr about it because i was like neither of us liked undertale that much but it's such an interesting game that was not only like very interesting in its mechanics for the time but also just like being that seminal seminal work of 2015 also you know toby fox um you know coming off of um home homestuck so like you know hugely important culturally on the internet um but yeah just from fun factor we liked yuri on ice more i feel yeah, I think maybe the hidden goal of this show is to put together like a alt internet subculture timeline of the 2000s to the 2012s or the 2020s, um, because that's what we seem to keep stumbling into is just these like time capsule um, properties. Yeah, I'm wondering if season three we have to stop. I, I feel like, uh, you know, I talk a lot about nostalgia and, and being afraid of it. I, I don't know. I, I worry that we we might be like getting stuck into that 20 year time period um i am also worried about it which is why uh uh well we should probably talk about it after this call to be honest mm-hmm. but we're gonna we have a concentrated effort for next year to blow the hinges off and and do some some old stuff but also some new stuff mm-hmm. it'll still be wild but we'll we'll talk about that off the call um high school musical a great show me <laughs> Oofa doofa. That's a hard. This is genuinely hard. That is genuinely difficult. Okay, uh, so I think High School Musical was more fun, um, because like Greatest Showman, we were just like, why, why did you make this choice? Um, because it's the greatest show. Listen, I I love like one or two of those songs. Like they're like pretty good. Um, yeah. We talked a lot about the elephant budget in Greatest Showman. <laughs> Because it was really high. Um, I do, though, agree with you. And, you know, because we are all in this together, mm-hmm. I think High School Musical should. All right. The Wildcats advance to the second stage. Ooh. All right. We are already in the semi. Er, no, this is round two. We're not even in the semifinals yet. All right. Uh, Scorpio Season versus Star Wars. Uh, Scorpio Season is a pretty fucking good episode. 
it's hard to beat Scorpio season. Um, when we'll talk about that once we get down to it, uh, to eulogize Star Wars, uh, this is where we get the iconic Darth Vader is shaped like a friend. <laughs> I love that. That's iconic. I mean, he listen, is. if we were building out our own mythos, like this is, you know, you get the boopable kid, you and the mushroom helmet. Um, you get, you get your unabashed love for princess Leia who loves to do violence. Um, we, we, we talk about how much we love Carrie Fisher in this one. And, um, you know, it was your introduction to the Star Wars movies, which, like, you know, that's the purpose of Mortified is to expose each other to, you know, media that we hadn't really made time for. Um, so I'm very happy that we ended up watching the original trilogy this year. Which, speaking of newish things, we still have the new trilogy to work with next yep, year. Yeah, that's on the list. That's uh, doofa I uh, said... Maybe that'll be our... Maybe that'll be our first piece of merch, uh, is Darth Vader is shaped like a friend. Yes. Please, please, tell your friends about this podcast. It's a good podcast. I listened to a lot of it today, um, and we're funny and cool, so tell your friends. Um, but yeah, uh, I said in this episode, the OT episode, that like if we watched the sequel trilogy, I wouldn't make you watch the ninth episode, but I just... To really understand the sequel trilogy, you have to watch Rise of Skywalker, Um and like, I know what I'm going in with, though. You know, like, yeah. I know what to expect. I've watched enough content about it where I'm... Yeah. I think I'm ready. I just... I want to clarify, you know, that's a retcon. Um, I'm going to... If we do get around to the sequel trilogy, we're going to go back on that because Rise of Skywalker is something. Uh, Scorpio season moves on. Um, Willie's Wonderland versus F Fast and Furious. That's a tough matchup. Oh, fuck me. Uh... Let me check our outline. Oh, man. I, my gut says Fast and Furious. What about, what about you? Uh, I mean, I really liked Willy's Wonderland. Um, you know, we, we talked a lot about how Willy's Wonderland is like a video gamey movie. Um, we talked about the incredible scene where, um, Nick Cage is forced to take a break and just hands a child a knife and like sort of pats her on the shoulder and leaves her to fight that puppet. Like, Perfect filmmaking. No notes. No, 100%. Um, but then again, like, the Fast and Furious ones were were really fun. We talked a lot about masculinity and, like, the positive masculinity that comes out of, of the Fast franchise. Um, we talked about how um, Dom Toretto is a very square man. Um, we <laughs> talked about how he dual-wields wrenches. Uh, I mean, uh, they he did drop... He did, The Rock did drop an ambulance on a Predator drone. I forgot about that. Oh, like, oh, Nick Cage. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I love Nick Cage in Willy's Wonderland, but whew, that's hard to beat. I think this is your call, though, because hmm. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I, I think... I think as far as substantive, I think I think they're both equally fun. But as far as substantive discussion, I think I think F F one F seven move ahead. So uh, we are gonna say, you know, that's one bad ombre. But uh, goodbye, Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> uh, I watched Willy's Wonderland back to back with the Con Air this year. Uh, <laughs> I recommend that fucking movie marathon to anybody. God tier double feature. Um, let's move over to our other round two. Death Note versus Raul the Soy Boy. Hmm. Ooh. It does feel to me 
I mean, the hinges were off on both of them because we were coming off of Death Note, the show, which neither of us enjoyed um, (laughs) or had any desire to finish, um, into, again, something we thought was going to be miserable but was actually fucking delightful. Um, Death Note, the musical soundtrack on Spotify, when? Uh, And, um, but we did also... We should also talk about Ralph the Soy Boy for a minute. Um, why, did, why did we call Ralph a Soy Boy? Because he is. <laughs> okay, fair enough. He's wimpy. Uh, he adds very little benefit to the narrative, in my opinion. I know there's some Ralph stands. Um, and no They're one wrong, can, unfortunately. but They are wrong. He's useless. Um, but I think that was, that was when I... F- no, that was you titling it that to spite me, I think, yes. is what that was. <laughs> yes, 100%. Great. I do think it is probably the Death Note musical. Yeah, as far as, like, fun, like, the thing is that, like, we had we had fun dunking on um, Love Never Dies, which, like, listen, if there was ever a musical that deserves to be dunked on, it's Love Never Dies. Um, but, like, I do think, like, to contrast that with the Death Note musical, which is genuinely, like, very good. Um, like, I, I think we have to give it up for the, the positivity of having that that musical. Yeah. Um, so, to eulogize Phantom of the Opera, which I think should be your honor as a uh, as the one who has way more attachment to that fucking show than I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I will think of you fondly, Phantom. Um, you know... That we I see the beauty underneath, um, but uh, just not your year. Sorry about that. Oofa doofa. Um, Yuri on Ice versus High School Musical. Oh. Oh. <sighs> Fuck. Damn. You know my my gut instinct says give it to the queers, but like, Lucas Gabriel gave it his fucking all in High School Musical. He and truly him did. And, him and Chad are um. Well, they're the Cogsworth and Lumiere of the High School Musical universe. Oh, yeah, one hundred percent. High School Musical has just so many weird facets. Like, uh, <laughs> like there, there's a part like we talk about how Taylor. Oh, he's <laughs> in the fridge. The Phantom's in the fridge, not on the yes, fridge. Yes, yes, he is. The fridge. In, he is in the fridge of Chad's mom. That's that's incredible. Um, also, just like for mortified lore, we do. We do straight up say that Troy Bolton is a genetic experiment from Area 51 <laughs> in that one, um, which is hard to be. I'm trying to think about Yuri on Ice. I'm pulling up our outline now to see if I have any great notes. But I, I mean, I, we did have a lot of fun talking about it, um, about, I mean, ooh. <sighs> I mean, there is, there's that great Thai skater who, who's very cute. We talk Did a lot you? about- that's yes, Pichit, yes. Um and he, and he's great. We talked about all the cute characters. We talk about, you know, the Victors, um Victor and no, the Yuris and and their and their fights. Um we did talk about the one guy that that comes when he, he does his <laughs> his number. Um ah, and, and we talked about, you know, how how fun it was just to see a positive um queer uh sh- narrative which, which was like explicitly queer where homophobia didn't exist. Um I do think that the, the conversation about Yuri on Ice was a little bit more substantive than HSM. That being said, can we beat the Phantom in the fridge and Troy Bolton being uh, in Area 54 experiment? Because that's unhinged, and I love 
that for us. Yeah, no, I think we still have not solved the mystery of why, you know, Troy's dad is is so wealthy um, and why Eastside High is so rich. So uh, I, I'm willing to advance HSM. Do you know what I'm manifesting for 2022? What? I want a Kingdom Hearts spinoff game where Zephron does a voice. Oh my god, we need Kingdom Hearts High School Musical crossover so badly. We do, uh, we do need it, so. One of these days. One of uh, these I bet, days. I bet we're not going to get High School Musical, but we'll get one of the other weird shows that Zephron's been in, like We Are Your Friends or Neighbors or something fucked up, and Source just, <laughs> Goofy is just going to smoke a lot of weed with Seth Rogen. Uh, fan artists out there? <laughs> make, it, make it happen. Make it happen. All right. We are down Oof. to the semifinals. Uh, Scorpio season is still going strong versus Yuri on Ice. Or not, diopetric opposite of Yuri on Ice. Uh, Fast and the Furious. I feel like my impression of Scorpio season, as much as I love that episode, it is tainted by having had to edit it, which was a nightmare. Yes, that that is a good point. I- I'm sure it was a disaster because we were both drunk. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know... We had a lot of fun. Um, definitely got to talk about Kingdom Hearts, which, you know, Kingdom Hearts 3 will always have a special place in our hearts. I, I feel there there's so much, you know, petty Organization 13 um, bullshit going on. Everybody's just like, please stop dating Saix. He doesn't, you all need to unionize against him. Um, but yeah, I do think that there is a level of self-indulgence in that one, which might not make it our, our best episode, even though it is one of the ones that I had the most fun doing. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think Fast and Furious is actually going to make it to the fucking finals. I can't believe it. All right. Um, well, uh, it's not a simple and clean competition here, folks. We're doing our best. Um, You're doing so good with these puns on the fly. I'm, I'm trying. I'm just working so hard right now. Um... Other semifinal round, uh, Death Note versus High School Musical. Oh, musicals oh, got, boy, got so Idaho. far this year. Oh, Duncan Idaho, folks. Um, whew. Ooh, 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 oof, 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 oof. Uh, I can't even. I always like it when we're surprised. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we came out of Death Note. That being said, we are just judging it on the musical portion of that episode. We did also watch the live action one, and that was fucking heinous. That's the live action was a war crime of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really bad. I mean, the guy who played L and William Defoe were doing a great job, but like, ooh, the live action bit was it was very bad. Yeah, so is it High School Musical? I don't want to keep rewarding nostalgia here, but like uh, High School Musical was really fun. And if we're coming down to it, um, you know, where is the justice, Layla? It's not here. Uh, but I think I think High School Musical does have to advance. Oh. You were just ace pun work. Doing great. Yeah, we're here. It is the final the final showdown. Fast and the Furious versus high school musical if that if there was ever an encapsulation of mortified pie <laughs> it's this fuck oh. me oh my god um i mean uh... whew. i listened to both of these episodes today and they were both really really fun is the thing but did zephron drive a car from a building into another building 
that's the thing though like as much as i love our our ranking of you know bop to the top and our conversations about the the very early um amvs that i made (laughs) out of high school musical songs um nobody drives several cars out of an ac 130 uh in high school musical to its detriment um and you know if there if there was more singing uh in in f7 this would be no contest um I, you know what, for the show notes, I will find that TikTok somebody made of uh, what what would it be like if they wrote a Fast and Furious musical, um, because Please. that does a lot for me. Um, yeah, um, I, I really liked talking about High School Musical, but I think in the spirit of, of trying new things and, and being pleasantly surprised, I think we have to give it to f- the Fast and Furious. Yeah, sorry to put you in the fridge, Zephron, but uh, <sighs> this year, um, Fast and the Furious bops to the top. Um, our, our Mr. and Mrs. Alpha, uh, the diametric opposite of Yuri on Ice, Fast One and Fast Seven. You are Mortified's episode of the year. Um, you thank thank you to all the contenders. I think I think basically every single one of these episodes is really fun, um, in, in, in its own way. Maybe maybe the Kingdom Hearts one and the Haiku one are a little bit hard to recommend to somebody just like one off. Um, but like other than that, I think all of these episodes are very strong encapsulations of why I really like doing this podcast with you, Layla. Um, and like. Like, so many of these are things that, like, I had no exposure to. Like, Death Note, um, like, Yuri on Ice, Undertale, Greatest Showman, Haikyuu, um, Crooked Kingdom, Willy's Wonderland, Death Stranding, like, and, and the Fast franchise. Like, all of those are new things that I had never, like, really gotten much exposure to or only kind of got through osmosis. Uh, and because we do this project, I was able to to learn about them and, and really, like, get emotionally invested. Like, you and I are cursed with so much Death Note knowledge now. Like, <laughs> it fucking sucks because I was just like, uh, I can only share this with Layla. And when Layla sees this, they're going to be like, well... I guess I yeah I understand this too. We are in the top one percent of Death Note <laughs> understanders, and it's just like uh, we, the worst. We send each other Death Note memes. That's how bad it's gotten. We have two conversations going concurrently at all times in our Twitter DMs and our Tumblr DMs, and the Tumblr DMs are literally just Death Note memes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that I mean, like this project originally had a lot more structure. I think when we first started it, it was like, oh, every week, like we'll pick something to recommend to each other. And then very quickly, it spiraled out of control. And like (laughs) half the time, it's shit neither of us has seen. So like, I also didn't have any exposure to Undertale. I certainly had no exposure to Death Stranding. This was my first experience with Star Wars, um, you know, and, you know, there's definitely things like we're still able to introduce to each other. But there's also a lot of us just going like with Willy's Wonderland, it was literally like, me and your DMs going, somebody made a Five Nights at Freddy's movie with Nick Gage. We have to watch it. And we did. Um, and that happens all the time. Um, like I messaged you a, wh- a little while ago, which I know we literally just promised not to dip into the nostalgia too much, but there's an animated film from 2011. I'm like, we have to watch this and you can't Google anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to happen at some point next year. So, you know, it's um, this project's a delight. I really look forward to just like, sitting down Sunday at 6 p.m. and just, like, farting around and talking about something um, like the, you know, structural integrity of hearts or whatever yes. the fuck um, it is we get up to. Mm-hmm. 
and we will continue to do wild unhinged lore dives um in season three uh you know we we will continue the project for another year it seems like um which which is which is good and i'm looking forward to it um thank you all i know there's not a huge audience for for mortified but like the the few people that do listen to us i i am very grateful um because like even if it's only like 20 or 30 people you give uh, me a reason to talk to my friend every week uh and it makes me feel like i'm doing something useful with my life um and i am very grateful for that so thank you all listeners uh i, I really appreciate it i hope that this you know podcast is is doing something for you it's not just like these weirdos on the internet are they, they talk about stuff that doesn't make any sense but every one one out of every four weeks they they hit it and and it's great so thank you so much for for listening to mortified yeah i second that um you know there's always time to make mortified a pyramid scheme if you share it with five of your (laughs) friends and they share it with five of their friends eventually we will uh i think within 13 cycles it's something like that we will dominate the world so uh yes uh it it would be very fun to grow this into something um not just for us and 20 other people but we're doing this for us you know in a pandemic while we're just kind of hanging out and have the time and and the will to so as long as we are having fun and as long as you know we have the desire to we'll keep going and if that ever pans out into clout cool and if it doesn't we'll you know it's fine we've had bonding time you know which is great. I love making friends, and Aaron is a wonderful human being, um, though I hope he knows that after three or four years of us now (laughs) talking to each other and me trying to be plaintive about that um, as often as possible. But yeah, I think um, we always wrap out with what are we up to right now, which I think is always a good idea. Um, But I would also, in that, like to include... um, what, are, what, are we, what would we like to be up to next year? So, Aaron, why don't you uh, kick us off? Yeah, I, I did a little goals thing on, on Twitter earlier um, this week, but I think I would like to, you know, in the next year, write more. I Because of grad school, my writing output just really tanked. Um, so I would like, I'm aiming for 100,000 new words. I don't think I'll get that far, but, you know, I'm going to try to aim high. Um, I think I would like to get a new... Uh, to a new market in, in somehow, whether that's an essay or a short story or, or, or something, I would like to, to get, you know, a piece of mine into a new market. Um, and I don't remember what my last one was. Um, maybe it's just read more. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do, you know, I, 2019 was the last year that I felt like super good about the future. Um, and that didn't go great. So like, you know, I don't want to, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting more superstitious as, as time goes on. I don't want to jinx anything, but yeah, I, I will set some goals. I I think that in the future, you know, I I feel like I'm growing in in a lot of ways, uh, both as a a writer and a creative and as, as a human being, um, uh, Oh, the other one was finish grad school. Yeah, I'd like to be fucking done with grad school. Um, You're almost there. So, oh, one more semester. Um, but yeah, I, I really want to keep growing. Uh, this has definitely been a year for me with a lot of failures um, and, you know, a lot of successes, but I, I definitely took some hits uh, to the old um, ego um, and largely for the, the good. So I think as, as long as I can keep weathering those hits and, and growing and learning, that's that's kind of what I would like, um, you know, what, what would you like to see next year, Layla? Um, I think for next year, my goals are pretty similar. Um, I want to 
get back into my webcomic, which every day I chip away at as much as I humanly can. Um, I'd also like to be employed. <laughs> um, I definitely noticed that I'm a lot of my like current um, whiffling about that I do on my like private Twitter where I just complain. Um, I try to make it funny, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm very like just intellectually understimulated right now. I, I really miss learning something new. My favorite thing that I used to be able to do when I worked in marketing was um, I would go into one of the lawyer's offices at the end of a day and I would just sit down and I would go, hey, what is this obscure flood insurance regulation I heard about today? And he would just explain it to me. Nicest guy in the world. He would just sit there and he would just explain this like weird flood insurance thing to me. Um, and I miss stuff like, I miss being able to engage with people like that. So, so I'm really excited for that. I also, um, you know, I have that anxiety thing where I definitely... I'm like nervous to engage with new content. So I'm really hoping to shake that off a little bit next year. And I'm hoping this project will really help with that to just like do new stuff um, and, and enjoy new games and, and uh, new shows and new books. Um, I also miss reading a lot. I haven't really been reading in the last couple of months just because it's hard to focus. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to, to maybe make some strides and make some changes and, and same as you, just keep growing as a person and keep growing my creative output and, and you know, remember why I learned to draw in the first place and, and why I liked it so much. So, yeah, I think I think we can do it. I believe in the power of us. We will bop to the top. Ain't that the truth? Um, should, we, should we do our plugs? Yeah, or, let's do it. Okay. Um, well, Layla, when we are not... Um, becoming the people that we are meant to be uh where can you find us on the internet doing the opposite of that <laughs> yeah uh, you can find me at l-e-y-l-s-e-s on twitter and tumblr i've written all my essays for the year i very specifically knocked out my december one early um i'm drawing more in private so there's not a ton of output on my twitter but that's where you can kind of find me um uh, talking about unions a lot a lot of union talk lately hi uh, shout out to the elmwood starbucks um, here in my hometown of Buffalo, New York, that unionized. Um, so yeah, really good, really good time. But I will eventually be drawing queer wizards and writing about video games again. So Aaron, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL, where I talk about health policy and tabletop RPGs. You can listen to the other podcast I do at The Bible Boys, where uh, me and my two ex-evangelical friends who are also siblings uh, will talk about charlie Brown christmas uh, uh tomorrow we will record that episode and hopefully release it on wednesday um and that'll also be our, our end of the year episode um which will be fun um i also released uh, a tabletop rpg tool um called time skip which is a tool to help you advance your player characters into into the future it gives you you know montages of like training and and getting new gear and you know having kids things like that if that's something you'd be interested in um our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, with what words of wisdom shall we send our audience into the new year? I have bad news for you, Aaron. Uh-oh. I see my triumph as a solo act. Happy New Year, folks. Happy New Year. We'll see you all in January. <laughs> <laughs>